Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, November 28th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Israel and Hamas extended their temporary ceasefire by a couple of days, and Elon Musk is suing Sweden. Yeah, you heard that right. Sweden. I think this is a real clash of ideals. You've got Elon Musk, who's a staunch anti-unionist. You've got Sweden, which is, you know, one of the most unionized countries in Europe. Plus, the high-end whiskey market is taking a hit. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Israel and Hamas are extending a pause in fighting by two days. The original four-day pause was set to expire this morning. The extension will allow the release of more hostages being held in Gaza and allow the release of more Palestinians being held in Israeli prisons. It'll also mean more humanitarian aid can be delivered to Gaza. Here to talk to me about what this means for the trajectory of the war is the FT's Chloe Cornish in Jerusalem. Hi, Chloe. Hi, Mark. So this truce extension, Chloe, what exactly does it do? Really more of the same. So we'll we'll have more hostages being released, more Palestinians freed from jail, and more aid into Gaza, which is a very important part of this truce, because aid is desperately needed in Gaza, which has been absolutely pulverized by Israeli bombardment. And although we don't know exactly how many trucks have actually entered every day over the course of this truce, what we do know is that whatever has come in is a drop in the ocean compared to what the humanitarian needs are. Remember that well over 13,300 people have been killed in Gaza and over 1 million people have been uh, forced to flee their homes and are sheltering in UN-run schools. So it's really critical that more aid gets into Gaza. And up until this truce, there hadn't been substantial aid. There's been no traffic into Gaza for seven weeks. What will be some of the challenges in the coming days to make sure this truce actually sticks, Chloe? So we have seen challenges already to the truce. On day two, Hamas actually delayed the release of hostages for about seven hours. There was a dispute over the amount of aid that had been reaching northern Gaza, which is the most devastated area uh, of the Strip. And there had also been disagreements about the Palestinians who were to be released from prison. So there are lots of areas where both sides can argue with each other. And and that's really where you have the role of Qatar and Egypt and America as mediators. So what is the truce signaled then for how this war might continue? The return of the hostages has been a huge relief in Israel. I mean, that has just been such a horrific ordeal for the families of the people who've been held. But at the same time, there's still so many people remaining in Gaza as as hostages. And, And many of these families who've actually had people released still have one or two male family members being held by Hamas. So the likelihood is that pressure will will remain on Israel to bring back the hostages. And so far, the only way they've been able to bring back the hostages is is through these kinds of temporary ceasefire deals. So knowing that this has happened will be a a certain type of, of pressure on the Israeli government to really think seriously about further ceasefires. The other thing, of course, is the loss of life that has been caused so far by Israel's campaign has really shocked people around the world. They are going out onto the streets and saying that this kind of carnage is not 
acceptable. So with that kind of public pressure, both within Israel for these temporary truces to make sure the hostages are returned, and then from outside Israel as well, in terms of international public opinion, this has been a very significant four days. It has shown that there are temporary ways to bring pauses to this conflict. The FT's Chloe Cornish is covering the Israel-Hamas conflict from Jerusalem. Thanks, Chloe. Thanks, Mark. The Chinese fast fashion group Xi'an has filed confidential paperwork for an initial public offering. The IPO will likely be one of the biggest U.S. listings of the past decade. Xi'an's most recent valuation puts it at more than $60 billion. The internet retailer became super popular during the pandemic when millions of people took to online shopping. But success on the IPO market these days definitely isn't guaranteed. Just ask the chip designer Arm or Instacart or Birkenstock. The market has been in a major rut for a few years now. Whether Sheehan can turn that around is anybody's guess. Tesla sued the Swedish government and the country's postal service yesterday. The company is trying to get around the strikes that have been crippling its operations in the country. Sweden's unusual labor laws have made Tesla CEO Elon Musk basically want to pull his hair out. Now, a court in Sweden has sided with Musk, at least temporarily, but the whole thing says a lot about what happens when the world's richest man takes his business abroad. I'm joined now by the FT's Nordic and Baltic correspondent, Richard Milne. Hi, Richard. Yeah, hi there. So what exactly did Tesla sue over? Well, so from last month, there was a strike involving about 130 mechanics in Sweden for Tesla. And an unusual part of Swedish labor law is that there can also be so-called sympathy actions by other workers who aren't affected directly by the strike. So you've had a whole slew of workers from dockers, cleaners, and postal workers who have done things to sort of complicate Tesla's life. And in this case, the postal workers decided they weren't going to deliver the registration plates for Tesla cars. So Tesla is suing both the transport agency, which is a government body, and the postal company to try and get those registration plates so at least they can sell new cars. And it looks like that's going to happen, at least for now. Like I mentioned earlier, a court has issued an interim judgment, and that allows Tesla to pick up the license plates from the transport agency's offices. But even if this judgment sticks, should we be thinking about this whole debacle as a bit of a culture shock for Elon Musk? I mean, he's called the situation insane. Absolutely. I think this is a real clash of ideals. You've got Elon Musk, who's a staunch anti-unionist. You've got Sweden, which is, you know, one of the most unionized countries in Europe. And it's really like the two just don't understand each other. In Sweden, you know, this system of collective bargaining, it applies to nine out of 10 of every companies. It's really seen as the bedrock of the last six, seven decades of economic success in Sweden. It means that wages, labor conditions aren't set by the government. They're set in between employers and employees. And this is something that, uh, you know, both companies and workers think work really well. And then you've got Elon Musk, who, you know, 
doesn't understand any of that, who says it's insane and, you know, in time-honored American tradition is going to go and sue everybody. It is a time-honored tradition in America. Thank you. Um, so is this, is this an inflection point for Tesla and how it handles unionization? I mean, it's going to try desperately not to make it so. The Swedish unions are pretty clear that it's going to have to agree to this. The question is, what does Tesla do if it really, really doesn't want to agree to it? Some people have floated the idea that Tesla may just leave Sweden. Um, The unions are clear that they don't want that. They think that Tesla is a good car company, that it's important for the green transition, but they want it to have a collective agreement. So it's, you know, at the moment, it's a real impasse. It's escalating almost daily, but I think Tesla will try its utmost to make sure that whatever it decides, it doesn't become a precedent. Richard Millen is the FT's Nordic and Baltic correspondent. Thanks, Richard. Thanks very much. Before we go, the weak global economy is now impacting the top-tier whiskey market, the type of whiskey that'll run you more than a million dollars for one bottle. But these days, the value of whiskey is on the rocks. Rare whiskeys sold at auctions have experienced one of the biggest falls in value since 2012. Now, luxury items like super expensive whiskey are usually seen as a safe haven asset. So the fact that people aren't shelling out for whiskey like they used to, not a great sign for the state of the global economy. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.